This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Darug people. We acknowledge their ongoing connection to the land, sky and waterways. We would like to extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening and to elders past, present and emerging. Hello fellow teachers and aspiring teachers. Welcome to Those Who Can't, the podcast where the teaching profession takes centre stage. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Kate Moore. And together we journey our way through the why, the how and the heart of teaching. From the nitty gritty of the industry to the profound joys of being an educator. We're here to explore the ins and outs of teaching and to help you reach your full potential. With stories from our own classroom experiences, insights into the evolving landscape of education and practical advice for both new and seasoned educators. Whether you're facing the challenges of the classroom or seeking inspiration for your teaching journey, we'll see what we can do. So join us as we explore the education industry. Welcome to Those Who Can't. Episode 7, welcome back team. Today our... Our topic is, I just taught a shit lesson, now what do I do? <laughs> this one's following on from our worst time you fucked up <laughs> episode. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen to that one. So Kate, I've taught heaps of shit lessons. What about you? Oh, plenty. Plenty in my time. Even as a, an experienced teacher, yep. you still teach a shit lesson now and then. Yeah. And how do you, how do you know when you walk out of the classroom... What, what's that feeling? Like, how do you know uh, that wasn't my best work? You know, you know when it's happening and it's all going down the gurgler. You get that sinking feeling and you see the students become disengaged and yep. start fiddling and chatting and, and you know, often it's got to do with technology because you're trying mm-hmm. to get something to play or something to work and they lose interest really quickly and then it's really hard to get them back or it could just be you haven't really nailed that topic for them and haven't an activity that you've asked them to do just really, really fell flat. Or sometimes you set things in your mind that are going to be great and yep. go for a certain amount of time and they just get them done really quickly and then you're like... Ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a horrible feeling. Like uh, You walk out of your classroom, I can, I can think of so many times when I've done this. I've taught a lesson and I, I may have been prepared, I may have not been as prepared as I, as I wanted to be but you walk out and you're like, oh, my God, what happened to that? <laughs> that, just, that just went pear-shaped real fast. And it's usually when you're being observed, right, oh, for yeah. accreditation yeah. or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's right. It's bound to go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the students, I don't know if they sense that this is really important to you and your career as a teacher and they just start playing up a little. Or, um, as I say, the technology doesn't work or something. But it's often either when you're being observed or the principal's walking by or something like that. Yeah. Like I remember teaching this English lesson and afterwards the kids were really polite as they're walking out there, thanks sir, thanks sir. And then one of the kids said to me, thanks sir, wasn't your best work, but I'm sure you'll do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks. That's boys for you, tell yeah. it like it is. Yeah, they don't hold back. Actually, I once had a student come up to me at the end of a lesson when I was teaching music and it was lesson one, so I was just getting to know them. He said to me, oh. Miss Moore, you're the best music teacher I've ever had. And I went, oh, you must have had some really bad music teachers. He goes, oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's a backhanded compliment yeah. for you. No, they love to give it to you. Yeah. So what happens after you've had a shit lesson, Kate? What, like, what's step one? How do you bounce back? Yeah, I think that's the important thing is just to bounce back. We're going to share some tips and strategies that you can use to do that. But the important thing is not to let one shit lesson here or there. Yep. Reduce your motivation for what you do as a teacher. Or your confidence. Like mm. You can't let it kick your confidence too hard because, you know, you have to bounce back. You're going to be there back in that, you know, teaching Year 12 history the next day in period two. So you have to be able to get in there and do it. 
So it's important to not let it hit your confidence too hard. Well, that's the good thing about teaching. There's always another lesson coming yeah. right around the corner before the, you know it. It's the best and worst thing about <laughs> teaching. So I, I think the, the you walk out of that room, you feel like, okay, that didn't go well. It didn't go the way I planned. My, my first tip for you is to just, I think you need to sit down and just reflect on where it went wrong. Mm. And usually you, you can feel it happening in the moment. Like you can feel when the kids disengage, when they start to fidget or lose interest. And think about what, what was their experience, what was happening for them at the time. And I, I think if you, if you reflect honestly about it, um, that's, that's step one for me, is, is really trying to get to the heart of the moment that things didn't go well. Yeah. And there could be so many reasons. I mean, you might have pitched the lesson too high for the cohort or you might have pitched it too low. Mm. So really take the time to think through what it was about that lesson that really didn't work. It might be multiple things or it might just be something as simple as I went in and taught the wrong topic like you were telling yeah. us about a couple, yeah. <laughs> couple of episodes ago, Matt. That's right. <laughs> and, and I find if I, if I do have a really bad lesson, like I, I like to be open with my students about it, like to go in and say, oh, I feel like that last lesson we had didn't go very well. And you know, it, it's a bit hard on the ego. You know what my ego is like, Kate. I don't like to ever get anything <laughs> wrong or be wrong. But um, I, I do like to go into the class and say to say to my students, oh, I, I feel like our last lesson wasn't a winner. Like, what do we need to do? Like, what went wrong? And I don't mind asking my students for feedback. And like we, like we said, they'll be honest with you. Ge- yep. They'll generally be pretty honest with you, but uh, especially when you've stuffed up. Yeah, for sure. I, I do think we underestimate the power of getting that student voice mm-hmm. in the feedback of how we're going in our teaching. I think we're a bit precious about feedback from students. We don't want them to be telling us our jobs, but that's what you're there for and you yeah. can't get better feedback than you get from, from the students themselves. What's their experience? Because even if you think you're doing a great job and you don't feel you've taught a shit lesson, at the end of a unit, at the end of a term, whatever it is, Take the time to ask your students how they found that because that way you can make those adjustments for next time. And some of the feedback, you know, you can be discerning about the feedback. Some of the feedback might be indicative of a student that for whatever reason you're never going to get on board. But you look through that feedback and you say, actually, that's a good point. I could do that better. And if there's a pattern of feedback about something within your lessons or within your style, then that's something to really take on board. Yeah, when those trends are emerging, mm. it, like if you've got a number of kids in your class who are all saying, oh, it doesn't work for me when you do this or that lesson fell flat because of this reason. Like if that's coming out as a trend, you, you're crazy to ignore that. Yeah, we're so keen to talk about data in yeah. education and yet we don't collect some of the most readily available and powerful data right right there in front of us, which is to ask the students what they think. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also say, apart from asking the students, reflect with another teacher. Ask them for feedback. So often, as I say, (laughs) the lessons that are observed, they might not go that well, but whether they do or not, the feedback that you get from an um, observation is so, so important to take on board. And what I find sometimes with new scheme teachers, they're so in that space of wanting to show that they know what they're doing that I'll be trying to talk to them through some feedback and they'll be like, oh, yes, well, I would normally do that, but today I didn't do that because blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I say, oh, that's okay. So just keep bear that in mind. 
And then I also noticed that, that, this, 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 and this, and they're like, oh, oh yeah, but, 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 but. Yeah. So don't get defensive. Don't offer a million and one excuses of why you didn't do that thing. Take it on board. Take it in. As I say, you can be discerning with it later and say, well, that's something that I can ignore because I normally do that. Yeah. Uh, but don't be dismissive of feedback. And if there's, there isn't a teacher observing a lesson that was shit, still go and seek out a colleague yeah. and say, this is what happened what do you do in those situations? Seek out a, a colleague. It doesn't have to be a more experienced colleague. It can be yeah. any colleague that's r- around that you value their opinion and just say, what, what do you do when this happens or has this ever happened to you and how did you handle it? Because they'll have a wealth of knowledge. Yep. And, th- and that builds a sort of culture of collaboration and um, it breaks down that sense of perfectionism in teams. I mm. think that it's, it's really important to do that. Like, if I've had a bad lesson, I find one of the things that helps me get back on track the next time I teach that class is to move away from my focus on content and try to focus on engagement and interest mm. and look at, think about the student motivation. So how do, I, um, how do I motivate them differently in that class or how can I engage their interest in this topic rather than trying to achieve too many outcomes? Mm. And... I, that just gets my momentum back on track. The The worst lessons I've ever had, it's never been that, well, it's rarely been that the content was wrong. It's, <laughs> um, it's usually because I've failed to engage or motivate the kids in the right way. So if I, if I bring my focus back to how do I get their attention, how do I get them engaged and interested in this task, I usually find I can, I can swing the scales back in the right direction. Yeah, that's, that's great advice, great advice. The other thing I think of too is what was the objective of that lesson? What was yeah. the point of it? What were you hoping that your students took from that lesson? Yep. And then revisit that with them next time. You know, go back in and say, as you said before, that lesson didn't go so well. What I really wanted you to take from that was this. Yep. And reiterate that and maybe do some short activity, whatever, so that you can feel, well, although the lesson wasn't a great one, they've taken, now they've taken on board what it was that I wanted them to know. Yep. And it comes, it comes back to that idea of, you know, must know or would be good to know. Yep. Always focus in on what your students really need to know from this topic or about this thing. And you can let go of some of the extraneous things and just, just move on. And the other thing too I'd say is focus on the feel of the lesson. Yeah. And I suppose it comes back to what we were saying in a previous episode about regulating your own emotions because I know that sometimes when things start to go south, we get anxious and it just builds and it escalates and things just get worse and worse because we're getting really agitated and really upset and then the kids start being disengaged and losing interest and they start mucking up and it just all goes to shit. So focus on the feel of the lesson. If you're in the middle of a lesson that's not going great, say you've planned something and it was all IT-based and the IT is just not working that day, don't get yourself caught up in, oh, I planned for hours for this particular activity. Put it aside. Don't ever spend ages trying to get a video to play. Like (laughs) Try for a little while and then move on because the students will take from that lesson the feel of it. So if if, if it hasn't gone well but you've been really stressed in that and you've created this real tension around the lesson, 
that will stick with them. But if you say, oh, that's not working, let's move on to something else. Yeah. And that's why I do think you always have to have backup plans. Yeah. Because their, their, their lasting takeaway is going to be how angry Miss Moore got when the, <laughs> yeah. when the technology broke down. It's not going to be anything that they, you intended for them to learn in the lesson. Exactly. I, I remember teaching a, um, a Year 12 English class on King Lear. And I don't actually remember the content of the, the lesson, but I remember feeling in the lesson that it wasn't going well and I could see on the kids' faces it wasn't going well. And I said to them, this isn't, guys, this isn't going where I wanted it to go. Like, you're not getting anything out of this, are you? And they, they all said, no, sir, this isn't, this isn't working for us. And I said, what can we do that, that's going to help? What's going to be productive? And I don't remember which student it was who said it, but one of them said, like, the thing you're trying to get us to do, I don't think we know what you mean can you model it for us mm. and i remember writing the, the whole the whole period then was a me modeling a paragraph about you know some some element of analysis from the, the play but i hadn't thought to do that until that kid just said this is the barrier mm. the barrier is what you're asking us to do we can't do mm. because we don't know what it looks like can mm. you model it and it ended up being a really productive lesson and something that i built in with those kids afterwards knowing that it, it was valuable to them um but uh, you know i wouldn't have thought to do it if the if the kids hadn't said to me this is what we need so i, I think there's kind of great value in having them say that absolutely and matt that you had the humility to kind of admit that it wasn't going the way you wanted and to ask them for some feedback there and then on the spot i mean that's great well as you know kate my extraordinary humility is one of my greatest strengths <laughs> No, seriously, it is though. And I think that we're reluctant to do that, to admit on the spot, this is not going well. You know, we're trying to save face, we're trying to yeah. pull it back. Sometimes just go, sorry, sorry guys, this is just all gone pear-shaped, let's, let's just leave this and do something else. Or like you say, ask them why it's not going well. Yeah. Because we often get really frustrated when kids aren't doing what we ask. We feel they're not doing what we ask them to do. They ha- yeah. just haven't understood the instructions or the directions or what it is that we really wanted. So, Well, sometimes we're asking them to do something they can't do. Yeah. So I, I went and observed uh, – well, I didn't – I wasn't – it wasn't strictly an observation, but I was team teaching part observing in a, in a lesson recently um, with a school in Western Sydney and I, I was working with the teacher and um, she'd set this – she'd designed a really good task, set it for the class. It probably wasn't differentiated well enough and the kids who couldn't – who just couldn't do it, that, like they, there were too many – barriers in terms of their capability for that that task so they had a worksheet in front of them and as soon as they realized they couldn't do it their attention turns to ruining the lesson for everyone else yeah so the barrier for them was just that they couldn't it wasn't that they wouldn't Mm. but as soon as as soon as they realized they couldn't do it they were looking for something else Mm. and um I, i worked through that with her afterwards and she developed a way to differentiate for those kids and her her next lesson with those those guys was so much better. And it wasn't like the kids carried over their frustration from the previous lesson. They came in and when they saw the work was adjusted and something they could achieve, it was a really great lesson. And But it was interesting that her fear going into that next lesson was, oh, those, those kids don't like me. They don't mm. like me. And it wasn't that they didn't like her. It was that they, they, they couldn't do the work and they became frustrated and started... Uh, misbehaving as a consequence Mm, interesting yeah kids are astute and they will pick up things they're also cluey so don't be afraid to stop and ask them what's going on for them yeah the if you think about the best lessons you ever taught what stood out about those to you 
I think that sense that I was able to communicate my real passion and love of what I was teaching, that they got caught up in that and were fascinated, curious, wanted to know more, didn't want the lesson to end. It's never been a lesson that was necessarily all bells and whistles. I'm not really a bells and whistles teacher Mm. and I've seen a lot of teachers who use the bells and whistles and the fancy IT stuff but there's not a lot of great content there. Mm. So I think the best lessons I've taught is when I've just really had that engagement the whole time and they're curious, they're asking questions, they're wanting to know more and you leave with this real sense of shared accomplishment, I suppose. Yeah, see, I I think that's the key. I think it's engagement. And if I think about the best lessons, and over 25 years, the fact that I can probably think of my five best lessons, (laughs) like I could probably tell you some quite a lot of detail about those five best lessons because they stand out in your head. Mm. And the the things for me that I remember when I think about those lessons, it's engagement, curiosity, fascination, laughter, mm-hmm. lots of lots of noise, like yep. kids talking to each other. Uh, my five best lessons were all five noisy lessons, I have to say. Like I don't I wouldn't say any of the ones where the kids were sitting quietly working, the very few of those that have happened in my career. <laughs> A um, quiet classroom yeah, is way overrated. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and so when I think about it, the things that, that stand out to me as the strengths of my best lessons were the engagement. So whenever I, whenever I have a shit lesson and I have to go back to the drawing board, I, my number one focus is on how do I make this more fun? How do I make it more engaging? How do I pick up on their interests? How do I make them want to do it and touch on their curiosity and their fascination in topics? Or that, That's always what it is. Yeah, and they'll let you know, as a primary school teacher, they'll often say, oh, Miss Moore, can we do that again next lesson? Mm-hmm. Or they'll come into a lesson and say, oh, Miss Moore, could we do that thing we did you yeah. know, two weeks ago? So it sticks with them as well. Yeah, I, I ran into one of my, one of my ex-students um, who he's working in some high-flying job in the city and I, I, walked past, I was actually on my way to the pub and <laughs> I, I walked past him and um, we got chatting and uh, he remembered a lesson I taught about Pompeii. Wow. And it was... That, that, you know, to him that was a really impactful lesson and when he was talking through it, I can remember the lesson. I can remember we, we mapped out one of the villas in Pompeii and we used it as a way to, to look at sources but um, that the kids were engaged in that lesson. They were fascinated by the information and, um, yeah, that, it was a really nice experience when you hear a student, you know, they remember the lesson the way you remember it. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose the point is if you have taught a shit lesson... Take the time to reflect. Yep. Take the time to get some feedback from the students. Take some time to get some feedback from other colleagues. Focus on what they need to know and go back in and be free to admit that um, maybe it didn't go according to plan but this is, this is the heart of what you were hoping to teach. And don't worry too much because there's plenty of lessons that will be like the Pompeii lesson. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And don't beat yourself up about it. I think that's the main thing to take away. Don't you beat yourself up about it. Um, don't let it shake your confidence. And the next time you come in, just think about how do I engage the kids? Think about that first. Sounds good. There you go. All right. How's that for wisdom, Kate? We're so smart. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Those Who Can't, brought to you by Summit Education Australia. 
This episode was recorded in the Hills Podcast Studio, located in the Bella Vista Hotel, and we'd like to thank them for allowing us to use their studio. Join us next time for more of Those Who Can't.